0: InshaAllah now we are scheduled for our final talk entitled Democracies, Dictatorships, and Monarchies Are Collapsing. What is next? It will be presented to us by our dear Dr. Muhammad Al Malkawi. Dr. Muhammad has been a member of Hizb al Tahrir for over 40 years. He has carried the dawa on a global level. He's spoken at numerous conferences and events worldwide. He has uh, several articles and publications, and he authored the book fall of capitalism and the rise of Islam, and we're honored to have him here with us today. inshallah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear brothers and sisters, if you allow me, I will walk across the stage because standing right here reminds me of something that stands still, and we are everything about movement. We are not about standstill. So allow me to to walk. That's number one. Number two, today I listened to the speech of uh, uh, Ata' Abu Rashtim, the Emir of Hizb Tahrir, at the global conference of Hizb Tahrir that was online. And honestly, I could not hold my tears or blood flowing in my heart, because me, reminded me, as everyone else, of the great responsibility that falls upon our shoulders, whether it is the aftermath of the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey, how many people went without being salvaged, not because it was impossible, but because the Muslim Ummah was not ready to take its responsibility. It reminded me of the brothers who get killed on a daily basis in the Jerusalem area, Al-Quds area, Nablus, Jenin, within the Aqsa vicinity, and no real power where there are hundreds of thousands of soldiers on the border, Palestine. Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, right on the border. They can do nothing to save the life of a person or to save the destruction of a house. Reminded me of how many people now, now at this very moment, in many places where it's already night, they are going to bed, trying to comfort their children, and there is no food. There is no food. And the time when Umar was walking across the streets of Medina, just looking himself to see if there is yet one more child going to bed without food. And announcing that it's his responsibility, that he's responsible. And today, that Umar does not exist. The like of Umar does not exist. Today, hundreds of thousands of people Children, women, men, they go to bed without food. And there is no Umar or the like of Umar who stand and say, it is my responsibility. And we leave it, we leave it to the IMF, to the World Bank, United Nations Food and whatever uh, organizations who say, they just count numbers. They count numbers that this year we have 500 million people below poverty line, below severe poverty. Severe poverty means you can live on one single meal a day, maybe yes, maybe no. More than 2 billion people, they are poor in the world. 500 million of them, Muslims, Muslims, that you and me are responsible for today, if I die, I will be asked about each and every Muslim who died, Because of poverty, who died because someone killed him, who died because there was an oppressive person who decided, like in Bashar, Syria, or in Yemen, or in Libya, that these people are worth nothing. They're worth one bullet, one cannon bomb. That's what they're worth. I, if I die today, I am responsible. I will be asked about that. Not me who says that, it's Allah Azza wa Jal who says, We will ask the ones who have received the message, and we will ask and hold responsible the messengers. The messenger, Muhammad will be asked, have you conveyed the message the way I gave it to you? And that's why he stood on the mountain of Arafah, on the last day, on the last hajj, he did. And he said, Allahumma hal did I deliver? And the people all, oh, they said, Nashhad, yes, Allahumma fashhad. Hal he did deliver. He did deliver the message, and he did deliver an ummah out of that message. Brothers, this ummah of Islam that carried Islam to us, That's why I am a Muslim. How is it possible? How did I become a Muslim today? And you, and you, and you, and all of you. Because of whom? Because of Muhammad he delivered an ummah that was able to carry the message all the way through, so that today by the grace of Allah and the support of the Prophet and his people, we are all Muslims here. We owe them. They did deliver. He did deliver. Now. Can we deliver, can we deliver this message of Islam farther to the next generations? For the last 100 years, for the last 100 years, 102 years according to the Hijri calendar, today is the 28th of Rajab, 102 years earlier, the Ummah had ceased, had ceased the process of delivering the message of Islam. We had lost the mechanism we have lost the mechanism that delivers Islam. The mechanism that the Prophet wasallam, before he died, he was able to establish. He established a mechanism, a state, power, system, rules, all organized in one entity. And then continued. And when the Sahaba, someone asked him about who will lead behind you, who will lead? And then he told them, he said, look, Bani Israel, they used to have prophets one after another. كانت بنو إسرائيل تَسُوسُهُمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ They were ruled by prophets. نبي نبي. Every time a prophet ceases to exist, another Nabi comes after. ولن ولن but after I am gone from here, there will be no prophet. There will be khalifa khalifas who will succeed the prophet in rulership, not in prophethood. We lost that. We lost that. And we replaced that. We replaced it. I'm not going to give excuses because they were they didn't know, they were weak. It doesn't matter. We lost that. And we replaced it by all types of names. We called something. Secularism in Turkey, at the beginning where the Khilafah was destroyed. Kingdoms in Arabia. And then later on, military coups, dictatorships, military rules in Pakistan, in Egypt, Tunisia, Syria, Iraq, what have you. With leftovers of some kings and emirs who rule over nothing. Rule over nothing. They have no control on the earth, below the earth. They don't have any control on the minerals. They live and rule above oceans of oil and gas, which all the wealth of that is used, had been used since so many before in the 70s. But since 1974, since 1974, The oil and the gas of the Muslim countries had been used to feed the production of the dollar. And today the dollar is the dominant in the world, the one that America uses to control all nations of the world. Where did this dominance come from? From the oil of the Muslim nations, Muslim people. We lost Islam. We replaced Islam with democracy as the brother was talking, democracy. Hawks. They talk about the rule of the people. Rule of what people? Who rules in America? The people, the Congress, or the ones who appointed them, the lobbies. Can the Congress in America pass a rule, a single rule, against what's called the Rifle Association? You know it. Can they make any rule that conflicts with the interests of the big elites? The one that really makes the, the fixes what's called the tax system that allows the poor people to pay the tax to feed the rest of the country and the rich ones can run away from that. Subhanallah, we replaced the zakah that was defined as مَالٌ مِنَ الْأَغْنِيَاءُ عَلَى الْفُقْرَاءُ It's a wealth that's taken from the wealthy and given to the poor. Today, Under democracy, which we accepted as an Ummah, we take the money from the poor and allow the filthy rich to live as filthy as possible. That's what we did. That's what we did, we let go of Islam. We let go of Islam and then we tried socialism. And today sometimes, sometimes I even make the mistake. And I say, you know the Ummah, you have tried nationalism, you tried socialism, you tried capitalism, Now it's about time to try Islam. Look, this is not trial and error. If you hear me saying that, tell me, Brother Abu Talha, don't say that. This is, that's mistake. The Ummah is not a lab. It's not a laboratory for testing. 1.5 billion people. We have been in a lab, being tested. Democracy, doesn't work. Socialism, we run after the Soviet Union, after communism. We have so many parties of these things it doesn't work. We are not lab. We are an ummah. We are not something. Once I was in, in, a, in a laboratory in, uh, uh, where was that? Mississippi. And they showed us a lab for producing rats. And they said, look, this rat that we have it in somewhere in the cage, it's cost $1 million. $1 million. I was so sad. I said, man a lab of rats, each one worth around a million dollars. And we are a lab of 1.5 billion people. We are not worth like one rat. I'm sorry about that. Sorry to say that. This is the case. This is the case. And these now, sorry, I forgot about my slides, (laughs) but it's okay. That's not, it's, it's not necessary. That is a case. And what's worse, what's worse is that many people, and you can see the slide, the, the the rise and fall of states. They tell us, today you live in a world order dominated by the United States, ultimate power. No power can stand in front of it. Not even Europe, not Russia, not China. And they almost crush any power that comes in their Path. So what do you guys have to come and hear in a small conference in Toronto attended by less than 300 people and you think you can change the world? Do you have the power? Do you have the power to challenge? Do you have the power to challenge the agents that the United States and the Britain and Russia had installed in the Muslim world and in the world around? Do you have what it takes to build a system that can rule the world, that can deliver the world out of the darkness into the light? What do you have? What is it that you are counting on? What is it that you count on? Can you build the system that you claim you can build and bring a gold-based currency that may not be able to stand a few days before you deplete all your gold and the United States and its agents come and steal all your gold. What do you have? What do you have to expect that powerful nations can disappear? Well, Assalamu Alaikum. This man can do it, not me. When I look at history, now the history there, a history before the Quran and the history after. The history before the Quran, Allah Azza wa told us all about it. And he, in a nutshell, he said, look at powerful, most powerful nations. What happened to them? Look at Ad, look at Thamud, look at Fir'aun. In one place he says that we have makannahum ma fi. We gave them power that you can never even imagine. Today, we look at the power and I always wonder if we have this space wars, space type of invasions, nuclears, intercontinental missiles, COVID production, production of viruses, etc. What type of power did these people of Aad had? He said, They must have had much, much, much more powerful than we even think today, than we know. They are gone. They are gone. Firaun, الأوتاد, and this is what Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in Surah Al Fajr about never created like them in the whole world. Never. When Allah Azza wa Jal says means because the only one who is creator is Allah. Allah did not create more powerful than them. Look at them, so we know. In the history says, Allah Azza says, there were powers much more powerful than what you have today. But they were gone. They were gone. Now, the history after, history after the Quran, we look at the Persians, the Romans. I have them on the slide. And I looked at them. These guys, they really grew up so strong, so powerful. But then they fell down. There is a rise and fall. That's That's reality. That's reality. And then, after them came Islam, Islam, the Islamic state, even Islamic state, the Khilafah state, the state created by the Prophet ﷺ himself with the correct ideology, with the correct idea, with the correct system, with the correct Quran, and 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 all of this, it also fell down. So rise and fall, it's a natural cycle in the history. No one is immune because even it is Islamic but people sometimes they deviate away from Islam. They step, one step, if I'm going like this, and I just make one step to the right or to the left, over time, this becomes way far from the origin, from the reality. And that's what happened to the Islamic State. Very powerful, but it collapsed. It collapsed when the ummah was thinking that it will never collapse. It did have some falls here and there, but they were temporary. But this last one, 1924 was not temporary. It was something big crash. It's big crash. So they do fall. And today, in the last 100 years, we saw the rise of the Soviet Union and the United States. Some of us, like my age, I exceeded the two, 300 years of age in terms of knowing the history, not on uh, living. And I lived in the Soviet Union. By the time I lived in the Soviet Union, no one could even imagine that this powerful 15 Republic united by one idea called socialism, it would collapse. Very strong grip. In less than 20 years after I finished from that country, it collapsed. United States of America today, Claims claimed by many people that it is the power that may not vanish, it had controlled all the elements, all the closed, all the loopholes, if you will. Truth of the matter, truth of the matter, no, it did not. It does not. We have seen the collapse of the economic system, the complete financial system collapsed in 2008 to 2010, within two years. It was almost trashed. And all they can do now, all they can do is to extend the time, the the, the living time of what remained out of their economy. That's all they can do. And there are lots of studies that show that what the power that makes the U.S. as powerful, which is the finance and the money and the wealth, they are only extended Extending, pushing the collapse time. They are pushing aside the collapse time. It's coming. And anyone who does not see that, he either does not investigate or does not want to listen or too scared to think or too scared to think about his own wealth, especially the ones who have maybe $100 million worth of stocks because that's the virtual money. He doesn't want to think that this may be trashed one coming day, but it will. It will. Built, they built what's called virtual money. This is not the time to discuss it with so many people here, but we can read about it. There are many places I wrote about it. The virtual money is the money that grows on its own, money that does not have base. Do you remember the COVID pandemic, first few weeks? The money, the amount of wealth that exists is so numerous, huge. People were not able to buy in the supermarket excuse my expressions, the toilet papers. Production, that's a pro- that's a product, which you use it to clean up yourself. That's a product. You have the money. Too much money. But you cannot buy a product. You cannot find the right medicine. You don't have the ventilators how could you make that such money much money in billions or trillions when you were not able to produce enough products to save your life that means this wealth is not related to your economy that's what america did and that is their what's called the the achille heel that's what will kill them that's what make them strong that's what will make them die. Having said that, the so-called obstacles in front of us are not permanent obstacles. There is nothing called permanent. On the other side now, the power of Islam, and here coming back to the real talk today, this is our conference, the real power is that Islam has an intrinsic power from within, not the Muslims. I'm not talking the Muslims, me and you. But the Islam that we believe in, it does have a power from within that can motivate you today, now, now. Now I'm speaking. Maybe some of us who has attended this conference who did not know what is he coming for. Just brothers invited him or her. they are coming here. That Islam that's in your heart, in your brain, it does have a power to wake you up and make ignite the power within you and then you become like a storm islam has the power islam has the power has the power to lead you in a path not only to motivate you but to motivate you and put you on the right path islam has that power from within i remember one day one brother complained to me long time ago back in the early 90s in jordan he said, Brother Abu Talha, do you think there is a hope that we can grow one more time? And then, while we were talking, the adhan came up. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Then I told him, listen to this word. What does this word mean, Allahu Akbar? You just listen to it. He said, it's an adhan. I said, yeah, yeah it is adhan, but what it says, Allah is greater than all the problems that you think they are problems. This very word I told them, you see all these issues, the mukhabarat, the police, they come and pick this and select that and they throw in jail here. And they uh, dilute this issue and uh, the media mix. All, all of these are big, 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 big events. But Allah is greater. That's what we say every day. That's what we listen every day. That is intrinsic power to tell me, look, how much, no matter how much the difficulties are, the obstacles are, the powers are, There is yet one thing greater. It's Allah. It's the one I believe in. And that can allow me to make it happen. It can happen. Why? Because I believe in the greater. Allah Akbar, the greater. That in itself is enough. And imagine now, you have an entire Quran like this. Entire Quran like this. (inaudible) Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. When you read that in every surah. In, every, in, in in the prayer. 17 times at least. Some of us, they do the sunnah, they read more. But for the fard, Rabbul Alamin, he is the Lord of all the worlds. He's my Rabb. Now, if I am with my Rabb and I believe in this Rabb and I am the slave of this Rabb, I am the abd of this Rabb, Rabbul Alamin, I have the power. So having said all of that, the Khilafa. That we are talking about, that I want to bring this khilafa to implement the rules of this rab. I am not bringing a khilafa to implement my rules. I am not bringing a khilafa because I love it, although I do. But I am bringing a khilafa to implement the rules of Rab al alameen So I have a case, because sometimes if you don't have a case. You cannot fight imagine as your your lawyer goes to protect you in a court system and he doesn't have a case he just had information data but he did not build a case he will not win. I have a case we have a case Hizb-tahrir, the power of husband Tahrir is that it had built a case a case, to fight for and to fight with. A case with Allah Azza wa and a case with the Ummah. A case with Allah, we say, Look, I am working here to implement the deen you revealed. The risala you revealed to Muhammad, وسلم, the message you wanted to deliver the people out of darkness into light. That's what I am carrying. So I'm doing your system, your deen. You are my Rabb. It's not mine. It's not mine. I'm not doing anything for myself. If I were to do something for myself, now at this very moment, I would have been somewhere writing a paper to publish and to get some more benefit. That was my, my world, worldly cases. But my case, the case we had built is that we are fighting the case, with, the case of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And I know exactly what I'm talking about. So somebody will say, oh, how could you say the case of Allah Azza wa It is. It's the deen of Allah. He revealed this deen. He sent the prophets, messengers. He allowed this. He wants the people to live in harmony, in peace, in justice, according to his rules. That's his, his case. I am fighting that case. And the case of the ummah. The ummah is the, is, is the poor defendant oppressed. The ummah has the oppression. The Ummah is the one deprived of its right. The Ummah is the one that's being crushed. The Ummah is that's being uh, divided. The Ummah had been uh, deprived of its own very right to think, leave alone to live, the right to think. And I usually give this example. The other day somebody was asking me one question. I was on TV program with Egypt, on, online. and the guy was asking me a question, what does it take to revive the academic power of our universities in the Arab world? I told him, do you really want to hear my opinion? He said, that's why I'm asking. I said, this ummah with the cream of the ummah, the cream, academic professionals, professors, doctors, they have no right. They don't have the right to use their brains to think. How could you be able to revive this organization, this system, this enterprise. And then he said, what do you mean academics don't have the privilege and the right to think? Told them, what is the facility of thinking? And this is good for the young people. What's the facility of thinking? Brain, correct? Your brain is the first organ. And once you you, you, you organize that, it becomes a thinking facility. In the sense that you have information, et cetera, which we have, we all learn about, in order to build the thinking process. And uh, can you, any one of you, can you divide this facility into brains, two minds, two facilities—one that you can think with, and one you say I cannot think—is it possible? Think about that you either a thinking person or non-thinking. This is not divisible. The mind is not divisible. So, what does this have to do with the academy? Then I told them, look, if I don't have the right, somebody puts a lid on my brain, and says you are not allowed to think about the politics of this nation. You are not allowed to think about the economic situation, about the uh, dominations, about the all of the suffering of the ummah, and if I do think you throw me in jail, Do you think I will be able to to provide thoughts and thinking in the scientific manner? No way. You can't. So I am fighting the case of the Ummah to be able to free this brain and this mind so that it can arrive at the right conclusions. And the only right conclusions it can come up with, come come up to, is that Allah Azza wa Jal is the one and only one Rabb who can be worshipped and should be worshipped in all aspects, not only in the prayer. Now we will finish this, you will go to the prayer. And I will almost bet $100,000 that anyone who is a Muslim who had not prayed Asriyat, that he would stand aside, will not pray. We don't do that. Because we believe that our Rabb is only on the prayer rug if I don't go to the prayer rug, I don't see him. My case that we created in Hizb tahrir one case, as I said, with Allah Azza wa that I count on that when I go to him, he will tell me, thank you, and we know that Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah also thanks the people for their doing. Although we should be thankful, he also thanks. He will say, oh, Abu Talha, oh brother uh, Malik, Faiz, Mazen, uh, Musa, whatever, Muhammad, Ali, Abdullah, you fought my case, welcome to my Jannah, that's what I want. That's when you fight the case of Allah Azza wa Jal, that's what you get. You fight the case of the Ummah, you build the state, you build the state, the power, so that this Ummah will be relieved. So there are two cases we are fighting, and we we build these cases Carefully, brothers and sisters, don't make a mistake about that. Chizb tahrir built the case from day one, made the literature, made the the discussions, made the halakat, made all of these, and spent time and effort, time and effort all the time, so that we make this case very clear. We clarified the case. I'm fighting for my akhira, I will be only successful only if I am tilted away from Jahannam and go to Jannah. We have no mistake about that. That's what I am doing here, doing that. That's why I am here. That's why I am standing here. That's why I am walking. That's why I flew over from Chicago here and from Jordan here. That's what I, what we do that for. Because I want the reward from Allah Azza wa Jal, not from anyone else. The second case is that this Ummah is so sincere, so powerful, because the Ummah can now carry the entire case with me. So this Ummah can be delivered one more time so that we can deliver this ummah so that it can carry the torch, so that it can become the dominant ummah, not to to discriminate against people but, or to subjugate them, but to bring them the real feeling and, and essence of what the life, the way Allah Azza wa wanted it to be. So we are fighting these two cases. And the obstacles that went in front of us, at some point of time, they will be gone. They will be gone. There, there is nothing permanent. Whether by finances, whether by power, by military, it doesn't matter. But there is nothing called obstacle all the time. Besides, and this is, I want to conclude here, there is an ayah in Surah Al-Hajj that says, "Man kana yadunnu, whoever may think that Allah may not give victory. It's blackened out in front of my eyes. I don't see a way out. Everything looks dark, very difficult, no way to penetrate. And all the forces of kufur have ganged against us and are all types of names. They built their forces. No way out. Just like the case of Surah Al-Ahzab, the power of Ahzab, when the war, when all these kuffar, they ganged against Muhammad Wasallam and small group of muhajirin and ansar. And then, as Allah says, وَتَظُنُّونَ Your hearts jumped up to your throats because of fear. And you start wondering, where is the victory of Allah? It may not come. It may not come. That was the case. And in Surah al Hajj, Allah Azza wa Jal stated that fact in a very beautiful manner. He says, anyone, if you guys, you come to the thought at some point of time, You just, you have your doubts, you have your thoughts, Allah will not give the victory. We have been here, some people they say for 70 years you have not made a breakthrough. Just give it up, give it up, do something else. You cannot make it. Nasr is not here. You made the Rabi' al-Arabi, the Arab Spring. Everybody fell back worse than before. What's the outcome out of that? If you come to this conclusion or to this thought, that's what the ayah says, if you have, if you come to this, man, كان يظن أن, أن الله لن ينصره في الدنيا والآخرة. In the dunya, you lose. You are not building khilafah. في الآخرة, you lose. Because you skip and you don't continue, then you fall to Jahannam. If that's what you come to, you are so desperate you cannot continue and you cannot stay in the struggle, then you become confused, and you lose your case in the dunya, and you lose your case in the akhirah. If that happens, and Allah Azza wa He's warning us, and He's telling us, then He says, فَلْيَمْدُدْ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ بِسَبَبْ Then Allah says, look, no matter what you have done, He says, give me one more reason. Just do one more thing. Give me one more reason, and I will, Provide you with victory and I will support you. So, today, whenever things become so dark in front of us, whenever we feel that we are so few, whenever we feel that we are being deprived of so many things in our life, whenever we feel that I may not make it, whenever, 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 just stand for a little bit, think about this ayah and say, We have to give yet one more act. Yet one more conference. Yet one more halqa. Yet one more talk. Yet one more connection. Yet one more speech. Yet yet one more of. We have to always think of what next I can do, not what I have done and did not work. That's the positive thought, and that sometimes I tell my students in my class. Some some comes. And says, I flunked. I did all things bad. Do I have a chance to pass this course? Still not over. I tell him, look, it's it's not over yet. Yes, of course. Come and sit. Give me one reason. Give me one thing. Prove to me that you deserve to pass, and I will make you pass even if you have flunked all the other quizzes. Give me one thing. I give you hope. I give you power. You can do it. You can do some more. But don't come to the point, oh, I already did whatever I could. I'm just withdrawing. I'm leaving. That's not us. Brothers and sisters, we have started this march for Khilafah. And we are continuing. If it doesn't come in my life, my life extends beyond my death. That's where I get my reward. If it comes now, I will be rewarded twice. I will win both cases. Think about that. We have two cases. We either win both or at least the one in the hereafter. But I cannot lose both. I cannot lose both. May Allah Azza wa Jal bless all of you. Bless all the brothers who organized this. the Brothers, sisters, every one of us who have attended. If I have made any mistake, and I know quite often I get in, on my Facebook, some of brothers send me some notes from here and warn me about a mistake. I always accept. I never tell, try to argue. If you see something, please let me know. But the most important thing, let's march as powerful as possible. And each and every one of us counts. And today I made one statement on the other conference which I gave a lecture. I said, at the end of the day, Hezbo Tahrir is working. The fact that I belong to this party does not relieve me from my duties. I say, oh, I belong to a hizb that hizb is doing everything. No, I have to be responsible myself. Think about that. Each and every one of you is responsible for his own act and for his own uh, commitments. It does not help me, does not help me that I am walking next to Mazin or to Khalid or to Malik or to Fa- uh, Faizan or to Abu Mu'ad. It doesn't help me. It helps me what I do. But to be with them, of course, it's extra help. But they will not cover up my whatever, whenever it's uh, it's time to. Jazakum khair. Wassalamu <laughs> alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm sorry for taking much more time than I did.